0: Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Gang, I am super excited about this episode and it's it's for a lot of reasons. I think it's a great episode, but it also is the first episode that came from our mailbag. If you hear this episode and you're like, man, I wish Stephanie and Andy would talk about this thing that's going on in my practice, you can make that happen. Just shoot us an email. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com that's podcast at unchartedvet.com also might i suggest if you listen to this episode and go god i love the way those guys think or if you listen to previous episodes and go wow this is really useful i just i just love the approach that they take yeah you know what it sounds like maybe you should be thinking about being a part of uncharted's community the uncharted community is a special place super positive super supportive Tons of resources, and the Uncharted Staff Drama Conference is coming up in August. You can be there. You can be a part of the magic and the mania. It is transformative experience. I really think that if you like this podcast, you will probably love the conference. Take a look at it. See if it's right for you. Spots are filling up fast. If you want to be a part of it, you're going to need to move pretty quickly because it is going to sell out. We have not had a conference thus far that has not sold out. So anyway, I'd love to see you there. Without further ado, let's get into this episode.
1: And now, the Uncharted Podcast.
0: And we're back. It's me and Stephanie. Start Me Up Goss. how's it going andy it's good it's good it's super exciting we cracked open the mailbag for the first time and we've got um we've gotten some good stuff and people are starting to use it and so we're getting great emails about stuff that people are wrestling with and let's let's just start uh let's start taking some of this so we've got uh we got an email today Mm -hmm. and it says this, one topic uh, that my practice is dealing with right now is adjusting to a new manager. The ownership had the dilemma of promoting from within versus hiring an outsider, and they hired an outsider. Then within two weeks, there was drama, and the staff seemed to have a mutiny against the changes the new manager was making. Um, what should we do? Help. Help.
1: <laughs> Help. I love it. I mean, I don't, I don't love it. I don't love that your practice is in that position, but I think this is a really great topic to talk about. And I think it happens so often.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's go ahead and start off and let's just talk about, I don't want to get into bringing people up versus hiring from the outside. Cause I think that's a whole can of worms by itself. And I think we could talk about that a lot. I think the challenges. Versus if you're coming in as a manager from outside versus if you're coming up internally. I think those challenges are radically different. And I don't think that we would do them justice yeah. to get into them here. Let's just go ahead and talk about managers coming into a new clinic from the outside. Let's talk about uh, prevention first. Let's. What What is the right way to do this? What, what can we do to set ourselves up for success? And then we'll circle back around and say, okay, we got off to a rocky start. How do we do damage control? So thoughts on, on what we can do to make the transition into practice go more smoothly.
1: Yeah. So the, when I read this email, the first thing I thought was, oh, I have so many questions, but I think the number one thing that stuck out in my head was, okay, if this is a new manager, particularly from the outside and you're two weeks in and, and changes are being made, I have to wonder um they've got to be decently big changes for the team to radically be freaking out right because um you know if you're a new manager and you come in and the first change uh you know you make is to give them things off their wish list they're not going to be freaking out they're going to be <laughs> they're going to be kind of excited that that's where you kind of start um but if you're coming in and you're you're making changes right off the bat i guess my big question is is why. And sometimes that is necessary. Um, and so I think, I think it's probably worth talking about how do you tackle it when you come in and you absolutely have to make change off the bat. And there's some reason behind that versus this is just a new manager. There's no major catastrophes that they have to start with straight out the gate. They're making changes, um, to suit their vision or their, um, their goals as, as a manager. Cause I think those are two very different things.
0: Oh, no, I completely agree with that. So let's, let's take the first one. Um, what if this is something catastrophic? This is a turnaround. It's a rescue situation. The mm-hmm. business is failing and you have to go in and deal with that mess. Mm-hmm. I agree. At that point, time is very limited. Mm-hmm. The ways that I've seen this done well are you come in and time is of the essence and you just, you need to be honest with people, right? So up front, you say to them, Hey guys, the, we have got to make some changes or we're not going to have a vet clinic. And that, mm-hmm. that's the truth of it. Mm-hmm. When you talk to them, talk to them about them, not about you. Like they don't, most people, I believe that people are innately good. I choose to believe that. I like mm-hmm. that. I, I believe that we have a core of gold. I just, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, But I also believe more so we're innately self-centered. And so I think when you want to come in, when you don't have a lot of time to build trust and build relationships, we need to talk to people about what they care about and talk to them about their pain points. (laughs) We're not going to have jobs if we don't make changes. Mm -hmm. And so we are going to make changes and they are going to happen fast. And I know I'm asking a lot of you and I know this is going to be uncomfortable. And I promise that when we make the changes that we're making and we need to make, we can back off a little bit you know, we are going to a better place that that's what I, that's what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. And so talk to them about them, talk to them about things that they care about, talk to them about why this is important for us as a, as a group. Mm-hmm. And then just to cut to the chase, um, the statement that, that I have heard again and again, that I think is important is when you come into this uh, situations and it is do or die time on change, and we've got to make this jump. I have heard it said to groups, listen, we want you to be here and we want you to be a part of this. And if you're willing to make these changes, we are going to go to a better place and and you are welcome here. Mm -hmm. If you are not on board for making these changes, if you are not willing to change, Mm -hmm. I understand this is where we need to part ways and there's no hard feelings. I get it. But but you need to go if you're not up uh, for for doing this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can you can stay, and we'd love to have you. Or you can leave, and we'll be sorry to see you go. You cannot stay and work against what we're doing. That yep. can't happen. And so take a day and think about it, and decide if you're going to be in or you're going to be out, and and let us know. But if you stay, you need to be on board. Yeah, and I, that's, I that's, that's, that's a that's a hard that's a you know what I mean. That sounds hard. You. If your back's against the wall and you need to make change, you need to say that. And people, you're like, oh gosh, but Andy, we really need to change and we're losing people. You're losing people who refuse to change. Mm -hmm. And so keeping those people is going to do more damage to your chances of turning than having two people leave who would have fought you the whole time. And now you're shorthanded, but you're shorthanded with a team that's willing to change and back you up. And now you can start to make magic. And ultimately when you pull this thing out, it really is a great story and the people who were there and went through it feel ownership of what they did and they and they were part of something special.
1: Mm-hmm. And and the third thing that i think um you haven't mentioned yet that i would add as a manager who has been in this position where i've had to come in and and make drastic change straight out the gate um is that for me the absolute key is having the backing and support, and a united face either with the practice ownership or with the field leadership if it's a corporate practice. Um, but you are setting your, you've done all the work and you've hired a new manager and you found someone that you feel like brings a skill set to the table to help you solve the problems. There is no greater detriment or threat to your plans, then letting that manager get up in front of the team and say, these are the changes that we need to make without standing up there unified with them. Because the first thing the team is going to do is assume that it's the manager wanting to make the changes, not you and they are going to be on the opposite side that you need them to be on. And so it is super super important as a practice owner or as a, as a hospital leadership that you 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 start the conversation and that you are united with the manager to say these are the changes that that we need to make as a team. I am asking you guys for your help. We this person you know Stephanie is here because we are we are trying to make these changes, and she she has a lot to to offer. And I have given her my trust, and I'm going to ask that you guys do the same. There is a dramatic difference between presenting a manager that you're asking to make change in that fashion um, compared to letting them stand up in front of the entire team and say, "Hey, guys." These are the changes that we have to make because I guarantee you that there will be some form of epic failure if the team does not feel like you are behind uh, the decisions that are being made.
0: Oh, a uh, hundred thousand percent true. It, yeah, it, guys, if you're a practice owner, you got to support your manager. You just, you just got to. It's I can't imagine how frustrating it is for managers when they don't get owner support. Um, it undermines what they're doing. It reduces their effectiveness, which ultimately. Undermines what you're trying to do, which is run a good practice. Like you're taking this person who could be so helpful for you, and you're cutting away their ability to do their job because you don't, because you don't support them. And so people go, "But Andy, are you saying I should just let this person run my practice?" And the answer is yes, that is what I'm saying, <laughs> um, with a caveat. With a caveat, you, if your idea of a manager is this is someone who comes in and they do what they want to the practice, and I go along for the ride and support them at every turn and just trust that things will work out for the best because they're a good manager, that is not how you use a practice manager. And people think that that's true. If I have a manager, then I'm handing over control. That's not how this works. Right. If you're going to have a manager, you need to allocate time to meet with that manager, you need to have candid conversations with that manager and ongoing conversations with that manager. And you need to talk about what she wants to do and what you want to do and where the practice is going. And you need to have—I mean, you need to have candid conversations, which is not—you have to get away from the idea of nodding and agreeing and you know, um, just to be liked or just to to make the person feel supported. You need to be honest with her or him about what you want where the practice needs to go, you guys need to get on the same page. And then once you're on the same page, you need to go to the mat for her, right? You need to support her and back her up. And if you're not on the same page, then don't let her go out and talk to your team because then she's going to be giving a message that you don't support. And now you're not backing her up and she's going to get frustrated and the team's going to get frustrated. It's much better for you to have that uncomfortable conversation with just the two of you and say, I'm not ready to do this I'm not ready to make this a priority and I don't want you to, to go and, and tell everybody's a priority if I'm not able and a hundred percent willing to support you. And that's not where I'm at right now. And so not a fun conversation, a whole lot better for the two of you to have in private and then be a unified front out in public than for you just to not have that conversation and then her to get uh, angry when she finds out that behind the scenes, you're not supporting her.
1: Yeah yeah and so i i would say knowing um knowing where this question came from my guess is is that um it isn't this first situation that we talked about there's no catastrophic like oh my god we have to change everything or we're going to lose the business kind of kind of situation um but i do think that it is important that we kind of talk through that because that can that is truly make or break that is where everybody has to get on board and everybody from the start has to be rowing in the same direction. And then there's, the rest of the time right which is usually you have a new manager coming on and maybe it's because someone left maybe it's because you finally have gotten to the point that you need a new manager there's a million different reasons why you would be hiring a manager in but you're bringing somebody in and yes there's probably some changes that need to be made and there's some things that that need to get done or you wouldn't be hiring a manager but the reality is is none of it is like let's let's start day one. So let's talk a little bit about how do you bring in someone, particularly someone from the outside in that situation? Because I think, I think some of the things that we've just talked about are important, but I think you probably would go about it in, in some different ways.
0: Oh, definitely. So when we're not back against the wall, we've got a, we got a lot more freedom, Mm -hmm. right? We've, we've got a lot more time. And one of the things that people mess up, I think is that they don't realize how much time they have. And so so right out of the box, you're coming in, you're a new manager, you're from the outside. The first thing that you need to put into your mind is that everybody is freaked out. Mm-hmm. Like everybody is freaked out because the technicians are like, oh my gosh, I have a new boss that mm-hmm. I don't know. And this right. person can make my life hell and miserable and awful. And that's, they catastrophize a lot of times and they future cast like, what is my life going to be like if she's awful and she's, you know, right. whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so everybody is freaked out and they're on pins and needles. And if you want them to work hard for you, one of the first things you want to try to do is make them feel, feel safe or, 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 to, or to build their trust. So realize that everybody's freaked out and then get realistic about what is possible f- as far as the rate of change. And so I see a lot of people and they come in as a new manager and they really, they want to impress the owner. They want to impress themselves. They have looked at the practice with these fresh eyes. They're like, Oh, we can fix this and we can fix that. And we can fix this. Uh And they go to work as if the business is about to go under and, Uh and it's not. And you're like, but, but it's not right. Or it's not where it should be. There's a quote from, um, Warren Buffett's partner, Charlie Munger that, that I like a lot. And it said, and he said, um, a business that can't withstand a bit of mismanagement is no business at all. And I love that because you're right. You know what? It, it's, it's not right. And it's mm-hmm. not running exactly the way it should. But if it can't take another month or two or mm-hmm. six or 12, then, then, we're, then you know, the, all is already lost probably. Yeah. So, so for most of the people that come in, the business is not failing it's not the end of the world for th- certain things to not be right for another 12 months. Like that's mm-hmm. not, that's not it. And here's the other thing too, just so you know, you come in and you look at the business and you're like, "Ah, if I could just fix these things, then everything would be perfect. <laughs> and I will tell you what happens. <laughs> right. Vet medicine is a spiral staircase. And you're like, if I could just get up there, everything would be great. And so you climb to the next landing. And when you get there, you will turn and you will see that the stairs turn and then they just go up again (laughs) and it never stops. And so you think, you think you will fix these things and everything will be great and roses and it won't, you will fix these things and you will find more things that need to be fixed. And that will be your life forever. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so you better enjoy fixing things because that's the job. Like that's the ultimate pinnacle is I have a to-do list that I'm working on. Like it doesn't get any better than that. And so just own it and accept it. There will always be things to work on pace yourself and be realistic about the rate that you can get change done and just relax. It's much better to do fewer things and do them well than to get in there and try to make eight changes at once and get overwhelmed and have half of them fail. Mm -hmm. Because then you're even showing the team. You're like, when I tell you we're going to do something, there's a 50% chance that it's going to actually happen. (laughs) And that's not what you, that's not the message you want to send. Right. You want to send the message of, we're going to do a couple of things and they're going to actually happen. And so just go ahead and get on board with them because this is what's going to, what's going to, what's going to be.
1: Right right well and i think it's important i think what you said about um getting realizing that everybody's going to freak out and taking the time to get to know them as as people it it sounds so simple but the reality is is that especially if you're someone who's coming in from outside even if you're coming in from the industry but you're just brand new to the practice like you're you're an unknown quantity and your chance of success is going to be significantly higher if you take the time to get to know the people on your team and i and i don't just mean like actually learning their names so that you call them by the right name at the staff meeting cuz that's a mistake you don't want to make but <laughs> i mean i mean actually getting to know them and building relationships because your your success as a manager is completely dependent on your relationship with your team so much more so than your technical or your functional capabilities. Like, uh, as a manager, there's a lot of things that technically and and functionally I can do to run a hospital. But if I don't take the time to build relationships with my team, it's not going to matter that I can, you know, use QuickBooks like a boss or that I can, um, you know, manage a budget. None of that matters if the people aren't On board with you, and if you don't create a team with them, so you have to take the time to get to know them, Um, get to know what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. But also, I think the number one tool that you have in your toolbox as you're getting to know the people on your team is what's going on with them. What are they worried about? What are they afraid about? What do they see as the challenges in, in the practice? Because the wealth of knowledge that is sitting right in front of you is so, so vast. And if you don't take the time to tap into that and realize what they're worried about, um, you're missing a huge opportunity to build some really strong relationships. If you If you come in and you take the time to get to know them. And one of the things that I love to do um, coming into a new team, and I've, and I've done it now multiple times in my career, is to sit down and have one-on-ones with everybody on the team. And so I sit down and I, I don't talk. I let them talk. And there there's a handful of questions that I ask them to kind of get them going because we all know that a lot of technicians are – not the most peoplely people <laughs> so getting them to getting them talking sometimes takes some work but I want to prompt them and then let them talk and I want to shut up and listen to what they have to say what are they what are they worried about what do they see as um, the things that are areas of change for the practice what do they see as opportunities um you know how do they feel about their position so I'll ask them a few questions to get them going but um, knowing how they see, the state of the practice is going to help me frame my plan of action so much more strongly because I can start to make change right off the bat but if I uh, if I make changes that nobody else feels is important except for maybe the practice ownership the team is immediately going to get frustrated and feel like change is being made just for the sake of change but if I come in and I sit down and I take the time to get to know my team um, and I'll I'll tell you guys a story about my current practice when I when I came on board uh, they had they had not had a manager in place for for uh, for some time, they had a, a manager who was part of our field leadership team who was overseeing the hospital but wasn't actually in the hospital every day. And so they had a, a good amount of time where there wasn't somebody there taking care of all the all the daily practice needs. And so when I first started and I started doing my one-on-ones, I was really surprised because I asked them, like, what do you think is the most um, the most critical thing that needs to be changed in the practice right now? And the, the answers that I got shocked me because they weren't, like, the big picture things that I saw that were necessary, like, the lack of job descriptions or the lack of checklists or all of these other, like, major changes that actually needed to be made. But the things that they were telling me about were, like, well, our scanner's been broken for six weeks and it's really, really frustrating. And <laughs> And you guys, I mean, it was so easy for me to have major wins straight out the gate because I just looked at the front desk team and I was just like, well, how come it hasn't been replaced? And they're just like, well, there was nobody here to buy us a new scanner. And I was like, okay, it'll be here tomorrow. You know, (laughs) it's not that hard. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't some big catastrophic thing or some big expensive thing that needed changing. It was a lot of little simple things that they just needed to feel heard on. And so by listening to what their concerns were, um, I was able to start making changes. And by making those little changes that were things that they wanted, once I started making bigger changes after time had gone by, they had already seen that I could listen to them and there was a a level of trust established there. So I could go a little bit further out on the edge and push it a little bit further with asking them to make some of the changes because they felt like I didn't come in guns blazing and say, okay, I see that you need a new scanner, but I also see that you don't have any of this. And so I'm going to turn your world upside down straight, straight off the gate, straight out the gate. Um, So I, I think that that is one of the biggest Strongest weapons that you have in your toolbox when you're coming into a new team is to get to know them and ask them what they think the the biggest change that you need to make in the first month or so is.
0: Yeah, I so much wisdom in what you said. Like I just I love what you said so much. So um so let's unpack this just just a little bit. Uh, the che- first of all the check in meetings that is an investment. Mm-hmm. That is an investment that is worth it. Is mm-hmm. coming in giving the people thirty minutes or even an hour to talk to you and you go, but Andy, that's a whole week. It is It is absolutely worth it. If you want to be effective, just talking to them, learning about them, taking some notes and listening to what they say, like that stuff matters. We're talking about tools in your toolbox. If the only tool in your toolbox is, I'm your boss, so you need <laughs> to do what I say, you're in trouble because that's a crappy tool. Yes. You know? Yes. And so, so what other tools can you get? One of the big ones is, what do these people care about? And your example is so spot on because we're, uh, you know, we're looking at the numbers and the books and we're like, you know, this are, um, you know, we're hemorrhaging money in this area and you know, we've got, we've got these significant systematic problems mm. and what do they see? The fax machine doesn't work, right? you know, right. Yeah. and you're right. You know, it, what's funny is you could go to battle and work on them for four months to get job descriptions written for everyone who, you know, who's in the clinic. And they would be just beautiful. And you ask the team, like, how's the manager doing? And they would be like, nah. mm-hmm. <laughs> but you go and you buy a fax machine. It's like, it'll be here tomorrow. There's like, she gets stuff done. <laughs> she is. Wow. <laughs> Holy moly. You know, It's, it's true. It it's is true. totally true, and it's <laughs> you go. That's ridiculous. That is that is a hundred percent true. You know, you're like, guys, I got your new name badges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, pal. Mm-hmm.
1: Is there anything she can't do? Mm-hmm. It's, and and, and it, it's funny as a manager, like it it, it feels. We're we're really hard on ourselves, and it feels like we're not getting stuff done because we know that there's a uh, there's a bigger mission and that there's a goal, and and we know hopefully if we've done our homework and we've we've interviewed the practice as much as they interviewed us, we know what we're we're walking into, and we know that there's big picture changes that need to happen. And at the end of the day, I would argue all day long that in the first probably 30 to 60 days, the only changes that you should be making are ones that have to do with where the team, um, where the team feels like changes need to be made unless you're coming in and, and you're trying to save the the business. But if you're coming into your, to your average, um, you know, the manager has retired or somebody had a baby or whatever, there's no major catastrophes standing right in front of you take the time you will never get your first 60 to 90 days back as a manager and you can absolutely screw that up um but you will never screw it up if you take the time to sit back and get to know the people on your team and ask them what matters to them and start your change process with what matters to them
0: yeah so i so i agree so um Knowing your people is a tool in your toolbox because you can talk to them about what they care about, um, talking about what their struggles are in the practice, what they face every day, knowing what they think is a problem, what their pain is. That's a, that's a tool in your toolbox. Understanding the politics of your practice, who, uh, you know, who is a leader, whether they may not have a position, but are they a leader? How do things get done? What is the culture? All those things are tools that you use to ultimately get the things that you want done. I do tend to think from a leadership management standpoint, I do look at things sometimes as what am I asking from my team and what am I giving to my team? Mm -hmm. And if you think about asking and giving, you start to recognize like, man, if I'm just asking all the time for them to give things up, for them to make changes, for them to sacrifice, for them to try new things, and I'm never giving to them, I can see how I'm not going to get that much traction. These are simplistic terms, but like what Steph said is like, if they're frustrated by a lack of, I I don't know office supplies, then give them give it to them. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're angry because the schedule is preventing them from going to lunch, then fix the lunch problem. You right. know, like like right. like man, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you guys lunch. Mm-hmm. They go, wow, she gave us lunch, mm-hmm. and, and and you know that if you look at it in terms of what do I give to them and what do I ask? It makes some sense when we get into the bigger things, I'm going to ask them to, um, to, to change the way they document things, you know, or I'm going to ask them to, to try a new workflow in the hospital, which is a big change that they're going to have to trust in until Mm -hmm. they see that it works. That's a big ask. Are there things that I can give to them as well? And so, you know, in that same vein of what do you see as the challenges, What are the biggest pain points for you? What are the things that you struggle with here in the practice or what are the things that give you headaches? The other question I would throw in there is where do you, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, what would you like to be doing? And then knowing where they would like to go, that's another give, you know, if I can, if I can try to move them towards doing jobs that they want to do, get them training that they want to have. Again, those are things I can give to them as, or before I ask them to give back to me or, or to trust me or to invest into what I'm trying to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because you're focusing on um, meeting their needs, right? And and when you're able to meet their needs, if somebody says, oh, well, you know, I, I have an interest in, you know, working more with the, the animals and you have a space where you need to fill a hole in your treatment room, there is some potential there that could save you a lot of headache versus having to hire somebody in your first week that you're on the job. Like you have to know who your people are. You have to know what they want and know um, where they sit on the bus because sometimes making some of those changes right, right um, at the start to get them into seats, either that they would be better suited for, or that they're more interested in has unlimited potential for you to score points if you will with with the team like they they really do want to there's a reason why everybody is in your practice they they really i do agree with you that i believe that people are good and i do believe that they want to do a good job and there's a reason why they're there doing the job that they're doing and you have to take the time to figure out what that is so that you can meet their needs
0: yeah you're creating a narrative and the narrative is we are going places and we are getting better and you are getting better and your life is getting better. Mm-hmm. And if I can create that narrative, then confirmation bias takes over and they will start to see the things that we're doing fitting into that framework. But if they believe that this is some garbage and, and I am going to come and I'm going to make you work harder and I'm going to be a tougher boss than you've had before, that's not, a, that's not the narrative that you want. That's not a motivational narrative. And so how do you build the narrative that we are going places and we've got a new manager and we got a new leader and we are going to take over the world. Well, the first thing you got to do is start putting some wins on the board. You know, you, you win small, it's better to do little things and knock them out of the park and celebrate them and get some momentum going and make people believe they're on a winning team. And then you can give her big, give them bigger, bigger challenges, which they will tackle because they're winners and they're growing and they're getting better and they can do this but you have got to start creating the narrative and you do that by, by, by dropping in wins. And Uh just remember, you're looking at the profit and loss statement. They're looking at the scale that throws up an error message every fourth time they put a pet on it. And, and it, it elicits fury in them like nothing else in the world. Uh. The biggest win is replacing that scale. And like, (laughs) pow, day one, Stephanie gosh shows up. My world gets better. Uh.
1: I it's 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 true not not so much about me showing up and getting the world to be better but I think that I think that is true as, as a manager go go for the the easy wins off the bat because you're going to build that trust and rapport with your team the other thing that I think that ties to this that is also really important is to to know what their jobs are so when I when I have started in a new practice um there, I have had practice owners and, and um, you know, field leadership who have said, well, what are you actually getting done? Because what they see me doing is they see me on the floor. They see me sitting at the front desk answering the phone. They see me talking to the technicians in the hallway. They see me filling meds for, um, you know, a client. I think the second biggest tool in your toolbox is your ability to go to where your team is and, and performing the work that they do. If it is in your skill set and even if it is not, no manager in the history of ever is not capable of scooping poop. So do whatever needs to get done and see what their jobs are really like. It, it not only um is going to humanize you to your team, and immediately knock yourself off of whatever pedestal they might put you on because you're the manager and they're the team. Um, but it is also going to give you a chance to see things like where are the workflow challenges, Where are we missing, where are we missing um, systems? Where do we need fixes? that are not going to be on your 30 or 60 60 day fix list. Let's be clear about that. But this is all of the undercover investigative stuff that you should be writing in a notebook. And you're going to come back to in terms of your long-term strategic plan for how are you going to fix things in in this practice. You're going to get to see where things break down, where things go really, really well so that you can not only acknowledge your team for those successes, but also figure out how to make those things go even better in the future.
0: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, and as you're making your priority list, you know, the things, the projects that you're going to address and you're going to uh, attack, giving extra weight or moving up priorities, which you can do by yourself, I think that makes a lot of sense because again, now we're not shaking up the team. We're not asking them for anything. I can go along with my day. I can shake hands with people. I can jump in and help them. I can learn about them. I can smile at them. You know what I mean? And, and build that relationship mm-hmm. while I'm still getting things done. So when the manager or the owner, when the practice owner looks at me and goes, what, what are you doing? obviously I'm investing into getting to know the people and we're building these relationships so we can get things done at the same time. There are projects that are moving forward. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's inventory. Maybe it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's some accounting stuff that we're doing. Maybe it's QuickBooks stuff, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, Projects are moving forward that don't involve me having to lead the team before I'm ready, before I've gotten some relationships Mm -hmm. uh, to a point that I can lean on them. So again, just in, in choosing our battles, or choosing our our priorities, I like getting things done that don't require me asking my team for anything mm-hmm. until I've earned, uh, you know, the ability to to make the ask.
1: Mm-hmm. And and I think the other piece that goes along with that too that's important is, um, I think it is important for you as a manager to get obviously to get your team to trust you, but also you need to see like you've been brought into this situation by ownership or an ownership team or field leadership for a reason, right? Like they hired you for a reason. There's probably challenges. There's probably problems that need to be fixed. And at the same time, if you walk into the situation blindly without acknowledging the role that the practice owner or the leadership team or the ownership team plays in that, you are shooting yourself in the foot. Like you have to see where the team feels um, about the leadership's role in the current state of the practice. And the only way that you're going to get that true story is if they trust you. And if you build that relationship with them so that they feel that there's safety to share concerns with you um, without the fear of retribution. And I think that that is a mistake that I see Um, A lot of managers make where they're coming in and yes, they are working for the practice owner and there is a reason why they are there. And at the same time, you have to look at what part does the ownership play in this because you can you can be a successful Bridge between the team and the ownership, and that bridge can work both ways. It goes from the ownership to the team, but it also probably needs to go from the team to the owner. And taking the time and making the investment and getting to know them and building that trust is going to do wonders for you in terms of being able to travel both sides of that bridge.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Let's see if we can help our friend who sent us an email. And we don't, I don't know that we have enough information to really dig down to say, you know, this is what you should do. Cause I, I don't know. I don't know what drama is, is coming out. I, we're making changes and now there's a rebellion and and I don't know, right. are we, is it how we're communicating the changes? You know, is it the, the tone that we're, that we're taking? Is it, um, are we making poor decisions about what changes we're going to make? Are we doing too many things at the same time? And it's overwhelming. Right. I, you know, I, I, I I don't, I don't know. Let's, let's speak in some general terms though, and just say, all right, I have come into this practice. I've been there. I started making a lot of changes and making announcements of what we're going to be doing. And I have overwhelmed people and terrified them. And now they're revolting against the changes that we're making Mm -hmm. in general terms. How do we back out of this corner, you know, and, um, and maybe start to try to get things on the right path.
1: That is a great, great question. I guess I would start with, um, uh, trying to figure out why the changes that are being made were being made. Are they the kind of changes that really you as an owner stressed that there was some urgency for them to make? Like, Hey, I've got this big problem and I want you to solve it. Um, or are they changes that the manager sees as problems and this is this is often um where we see a manager out of out of probably just routine take the the lever um in in their you know in their brain they're driving their the car and they are just going to without thinking about it, reach for that lever of, I'm the manager, and I'm in charge of making the changes, and I'm going to pull this lever. And it's the lever of, you call it the lever of positional power, right? And I think that probably it sounds to me like from the information we do have that this manager was like, okay, I've been brought in to do a job, and that job is to make some changes. So I'm going to start making the changes and they're doing all of the things and they're, they have, they have pulled down on that level of positional power and they've come at it as, okay, I'm the manager. I was brought in to do this job. So I'm doing the, the job. And so I honestly would take some time to sit down and have a meeting between the practice ownership and the manager and figure out, okay, this is clearly not working. The team is super upset. How do we reset? And I would brainstorm that together because in order to come out of this um, with the least amount of damage, you're gonna have to work together as a team. Yeah. The ownership team, the ownership team and your manager. There's gonna have to be some unification and you're gonna have to go to the staff. And it it may mean standing up in front of the staff and saying, hey guys. We made, we made a mistake. We came at this from the wrong direction and we are really sorry. We see how it has affected you guys. We're, we're um, sorry for the impacts that it had. And here's what we're going to do to start over.
0: Okay. We're, um, we're talking about some powerful sorcery here. You know, it, it's funny when we think about what it means to be a great manager, what it means to be a great leader, we think about setting a plan, getting people motivated and tackling that plan effectively. Mm-hmm. And one of the real markers of being a truly good manager or leader, I mean, one of the things that it re- when you come down to it about who's really good, one of the true tests is how do you recover when you've made a mistake? Mm-hmm. And that that's really it. I mean, how do you recover? And. If you're sitting there right now having the thought, well how do you know that she made a mistake? You don't know that she made a mistake. Maybe she did everything right. If you're having that thought, then then bear with me, young Padawan, because the fact that there's a revol- a revolt or that people are rebelling, that means that somewhere we made a mistake. And mm-hmm. you know, and so how do we do this hard thing? And and we've all we've all been there, you know? We've, we've all. If you have led a team, you have had a bad day. You have mm-hmm. said things the wrong way. Yep. You have spoken without empathy. You have misread the situation. You have failed to be omnipotent and know what your people are facing in their home life. Thanks. And you've pushed them over the edge or you've said something damaging to them. That's just being human in the human experience. You have made mistakes. Mm-hmm. There is no one on this earth who is not. And if you can't accept that, and you think, I did not make any mistakes, the The biggest hurdle for you is going to be self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And so self-awareness and and humility, I we don't talk enough about, about those characteristics as being vital, but they are so vital. And so there is a revolt. There's people who are fired up. It may be fair. It may not be fair. It may be unjust. There may be someone who is trying to undermine you. The truth is at some point, We deal with perception as much or more than we deal with reality. The reality is you did everything right. Mm -hmm. The perception from your team is that you're a tyrant and you're um, a slave driver or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so you have got to deal with perception. And if you reject perception, you do so at your own peril. And so the first thing here is some some self-assessment and Mm self-awareness is for me, I, I have to go for a walk with the dog. And I think, okay, this blew up in my face. Mm -hmm. What happened? What did I do? What could I have done differently? Where Mm -hmm. did things go wrong? And the more honest I can be with myself, I'm not trying to beat myself up. I'm not saying go and Mm -hmm. hit yourself with the lash. That's not, that's not the thing I need to understand. Like, obviously something went wrong. What Mm -hmm. went wrong? And so self-assessment, self-awareness is important. Going back and circling up with the ownership or management team and saying, guys, what can we do better? You know, we're we're getting a lot of pushback. How do we do this differently? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you can do it, even starting to talk to people on your team and saying like, "Hey, I feel like I, I like to talk about how I feel," mm-hmm. you know, and talk about myself, and I say, "Hey, I, you know, I, I I feel like there's some resentment kind of brewing in the changes that we're making, or I feel like people aren't on board with doing the stuff that we're talking about doing." I'm curious as if you have insight about why that might be, or ways that I could could approach these problems differently that might that might be better received by my team. Mm-hmm. And now we're in, we're squarely into vulnerability, mm-hmm. you know, when we really are. And that's why I say this is deep magic here because you are looking at yourself, you are opening yourself up to criticism from the people that you're supposed to lead. This is scary stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you get to the point that you can do this and it takes inner strength to do it, that is the path to redemption. It is the path to really growing and really learning. If you can't look at yourself, if you can't open yourself up this way, you may be someone who's going to end up in a place where your um, your growth potential is going to be limited. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, that's a scary, hard part. This is a tough part of the path. But those would be the, the first steps that, that I think have to be addressed is, they need to realize that things are not going well and then start to look and say why are these not going well
1: well and let's let's be real like i'm sure that this team sees that this is is kind of on fire or that it has the potential to catch fire if it hasn't already and so i think that um as a leader one of the most potentially the most powerful lesson that i ever learned was that it takes um, it takes nothing to apologize and and what most people our human nature is to say well I didn't do anything wrong what do I have to apologize for look even if the changes needed to ma- be made and you are right it takes nothing for you to apologize that the impact for the impact that your actions or that your words had on someone else it's it's not about It's not about what you did or how you did it necessarily, but regardless of how you did it or what you said, there is still a a human on the other side of that and there is an impact to them. And it takes nothing for you as a leader to say, you guys, I am really sorry That this, um, you know, for the impact that this last two weeks has had on you, seems like everybody is upset and frustrated. And that is the last thing that I wanted. You know, I really want to help make us a better team. And so I need you to know that I am really sorry for the impact that this start has kind of had on us. And I want to talk about how we're going to move forward as a team to try and make this situation better that costs you nothing as a leader. You're not like I was wrong and here's the changes I'm going to make because I was wrong. You, you're just being human and vulnerable with your team. And that I think is probably the most powerful lesson that I learned in, in my career. And my team will tell you, I screw stuff up all the time, all the time. I'm human. We all are, and we, we make mistakes. And yet I, um, try really, really hard and I don't always hit the mark, but I try really hard to own up to those mistakes when I, when I make them, when I can see them or when somebody else points them out to me, because even if I'm still processing on the human side, like, uh, I don't know if I was really wrong and maybe they're wrong and you're working through, like you said, working through the process of what, what actually happened in your head it makes the relationship move forward so much more smoothly if I can say to them, you know what? I'm really sorry. That wasn't my intention. I didn't, I didn't mean to to hurt you. I didn't mean to upset you. I didn't mean to like rock you guys world and come in here and start making all of these changes. Let's start over. Let's, let's figure out how we can move forward from, from this, this point. Um, And, and I think that that is often something that is, that is overlooked because it's human nature for us to think, well, I didn't do anything wrong, right. um, but oh gosh, that's no. not, but that's not what it's about.
0: Right. And that's not what it's about. The, and so the true, the true sorcerer will do exactly what you said and then invite their ideas on how to do things better in the future or invite them as, as collaborators. Mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, that is, that is the Jedi master, you know, and again, all of this takes guts. It is not easy because you are opening yourselves up. But boy, we're talking about really what it takes to be, to be the best. And and I think that that's a big part of it. And then, um, to go back to, uh, to your point about, oh shoot, what was I going to say? Oh, about, um, (laughs) about, you know, the part where you wrestle and you go, but, but I wasn't wrong, but why don't they just understand this or that if you're in that place, one of the things that has helped me is a a phrase that one of my friends used to say. She was the founder of the the Veterinary Business Management Association. So uh, her name is is Dr. Megan Wood. And she said to this to me, you know, it's fifteen years ago now. And I I still remember it, I use it all the time, but it came from her father and and he used to say to her, you know, Megan, you can be righteous or effective. Choose one. And I have found that to be true again and again and again. I can totally go in there and say, you guys, it's not fair that you said this and that's not accurate and that's not true. And that's not even really what I said. And I have been wronged here. You can do that. Or you can figure out what approach you need to take to actually be effective and to get the practice to go where you want it to go. But generally, those things are mutually exclusive. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would just add to that that the question that I learned to ask myself, um, and had some very wise mentors teach me early on in my career, is to ask yourself: Do I have all the information? Do do I do I know all all of? all of their perception. Do I know both sides of the story? And, um, 99.99% of the time, the answer is no, you don't know what's going on in their head. You don't know what their experience has been. So there is nothing wrong with asking questions to try and get more information, um, about what you don't, what you don't know. Cause you're not, you're not in their head. You're not in their shoes. You know, you made a change, um, as a manager, to try and make the business more financially effective. But did you just completely turn the technician's workflow upside down and rock their world? Well, you have to you have to look at that. And the only way you're going to know is to ask, do I have all the information? And if the answer is no, and it should be, what do you need to do to get the information?
0: Yeah, they, I completely agree with that. You know, your, engage, your engagement questions of what do I not know? Uh, seek first understand. I, I think that I think that that's huge. The the last thing that um, that I want to say, I want to go back to the verbiage that you used because you went through what you would say to the team, and it was amazing. And it struck me as I, I because it, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. It, it was a great a great approach to take, and it reminded me of one of the concepts that we talk a lot about in Uncharted when we talk about treating your team like you treat your clients. And so that's, that's kind of an uncharted sort of value that we, that we talk about is Mm -hmm. why do we treat our clients like gold and our teams like crap? That's, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. And so when you said that, I heard Stephanie Goss talking to an upset client is, is, is what I heard. Mm -hmm. And in the exact same approach that you took about, like, I'm really sorry. And this is what happened. And this is why it happened. And this is what we're going to do to prevent it from happening in the future and listening to them. And it was, it's everything that we do when clients are angry and you go, but these aren't clients, they're my team. I think that treating your team like your clients with that level of respect, I think that that comes back to you in a lot of ways. And I think this is a great time to use the training that we have and the practice that we have of talking with pet owners who maybe feel like they were mistreated use those same skills and use that same approach and use that same level of empathy and care talking to your team. And and I think the benefits are monumental, but Mm -hmm. anyway, I love what you said. I love how you said it, but I, 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 it sounds a lot like when we deal with upset clients and and that there's a reason for that.
1: It's totally true because people just want to be heard, and your team is no different from your clients in in that regard, right? They're, they're upset and they're frustrated. Um, And it sounds like, you know, the the word that was used in the email is mutiny. That's, That's huge. If I have a client that's at the front desk that's going to mute me, I immediately go into problem-solving mode, and then the first thing that I do is make them feel heard. And in order to do that, I have to shut up, and I have to listen to what they're actually saying, and it is no different with your team. It is – It is standing up, whether you do it as an ownership, you know, leadership team altogether, or you as yourself stand up in front of the team and just say, you know what, you guys, I am really sorry. I feel like we might've started off on the wrong foot. There's a lot of change that's been happening. And I realize how uncomfortable that seems to feel for all of you guys. I would like to hear how you're feeling about this. I, I, you know, and, And then shut up and listen to what they actually have to say, because they're going to give you the answers. And they may be answers that you already have in your head. They may just take a while to circle around to the inevitability. But if you don't stop and listen and make them feel heard, you're going to get nowhere with them. And it's, you said it exactly true. It's the same as with the angry client. If they don't feel heard, you're going to get nowhere.
0: Totally. Uh, That's, that's exactly true. And the last thing I would say is you're listening to them. Even if they say to you things that, you know, they're still, first of all, the act of hearing them and really hearing them, that's a trust building exercise and we need trust to get them to come along with us. Mm -hmm. But the other part is if nothing else, they are giving you the words that they need to hear. And you know, if uh, I'm trying to think of an example on the fly, but essentially the way that they explain the problem to you, it may be exactly, you totally understand the problem, but the way that they explain it is important because that's the way that they see it. It's amazing how many times two people have the exact same problem and they're talking about it using different words or different approaches and they don't realize they want the same thing. And so if they say to you that the, uh, the the practice management system is making their mornings a living nightmare that may be a bit dramatic right (laughs) but if you talk to them about getting it set up so the management system is not making their mornings a living nightmare they will hear you they go ah yes man she really understands where i'm coming from right that they're telling you how to communicate with them and so hear them and talk to them go meet them where they are and I, I think that you know, there's just there's just no downside that comes from talking to these people.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Cool. Thanks a lot, Steph. I appreciate it, man.
1: Yeah this this was this was a good one. And and to our our uh, listener out there who who wrote in, thank you for for writing writing into us. And and actually, this has has spurred some. Um, ideas for for another podcast episode for me at least one if not two i think in our in our conversations out of this in terms of things that that we can do to be more effective um managers and leaders straight out the gate um as well as uh you know how to how to fix how to fix things and i i think that that to me that is the answer to the question that was posed to us is what what do you do now i think i think the answer is if you're two weeks in and your team is mutinying i think you have to stand up and say okay clearly clearly we didn't get off to the best start so what are we going to do to fix it and move forward and then i think it's about taking some of the things that we talked about in terms of getting to know everybody getting to know what the vision and the goals and the expectations from your team are looking at the procedures and systems that are in place, um, taking the time to kind of build all of that up. And then when you do start to make changes that are beyond changes that are immediately going to make their lives better, that they have given you, you do it as a United leadership team with the practice ownership and, and the manager kind of standing up and saying, this is where we would like to go together as a, as a team. Yeah.
0: Totally. So this email was the first of a couple that showed up and we're going to be working through them in the next couple of weeks. If you would like me and Stephanie to talk through what's going on in your practice, hit us with an email and let us know what's going on. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. Give us enough detail that we can work through this situation and give you some specific information and advice. That's what we'd like to do. We will uh, we will keep your identity out of it. And if we need to change some details to protect you, then we will. Um. That's that's just important. We want you to feel comfortable talking with us. So yeah. anyway, guys, have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Take care of each other and keep saving lives. Bye. And that is what we have today. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, the Uncharted Staff Drama Conference is coming. This thing that we just talked about this episode, boy, it's right in the wheelhouse of that conference. These are the types of things that we sort out If you're interested in learning more, we'd love to see you there. The web address is unchartedvet.com. That's unchartedvet.com. Always uh, love new members at Uncharted. We've really got something special. It's definitely something worth checking out if you've enjoyed the podcast. So anyway, that's what we got for today. Gang, I hope you have a fantastic week. and We'll be back with you soon. See ya. Bye.